This is a major disgrace. Forget iHeartRadio or Podbean now. They wouldn't touch us with an ad-supported revenue stream. You're always so concerned about your reputation. Joe Rogan did his best stuff when he was working on Fear Factor. You know how much a podcaster makes? If it's us, it costs money. Personally, I liked community theater. They gave us a budget and facilities. We didn't have to do our own producing. You don't know what it's like out there. These days, you're just a voice actor. I work in the professional sector. They expect profits. For whatever reason, Jim, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. I believe everything happens for a reason. I believe that we were destined to quit podcasting. For what purpose? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And welcome to the Backstage Show Halloween Special. The final chapter? This week on the Backstage Show, we have yet another Halloween special where today we'll be talking about our own personal horror stories in theater. Yes, now that we've gotten our lame Ghostbusters skit out of the way, (laughs) thank you for your patience and letting us, I don't know, indulge our fantasies, I guess. (laughs) And, And hopefully not plagiarize too much, but whatever. Eh, you know, it's, it's a parody. That's perfectly yes, legal, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. Fair yeah. use. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so, yes, we're going to talk about uh, our horror stories with theater. And, uh, of course, we have acknowledged in past episodes that, yes, things do indeed go wrong in theater. Yes, there are many unplanned types of occurrences that can happen on a particular performance or leading up to a show or anything like that. And we covered a great many of them back in season three, episode 58, dealing with the unplanned. And then, of course, there's also the horror of the audience because you never know what they're going to do. And we covered that a bit in uh, season two with episode 35, top five audience distractions. And we've also just talked about the general nature of live theater Specifically, Season 1, Episode 14, Live Theater Part 2, where anything can happen. A deep cut. (laughs) All the way back to Season (laughs) 1. We were just fledgling podcasters cutting our proverbial teeth, as it were. Yes, as opposed to now that we're uh, venerated uh, (laughs) two-year podcasting veterans. Oh, come on, it's at least two and a half years. Yeah, well, (laughs) except we've been off for about a half a year. That's true. But anyway, so we've covered some of some of the stuff that's gone wrong, and these are kind of we're we're delving a little deeper into our horror stories that go beyond those mundane errors and inconveniences. Yeah, we've had kind of a few uh, mishaps, conundra, whatever you want to call them. Some of them are of a more, I guess, shocking, prurient nature. Is that the word? Prurient. It is a word. I don't know if it's I don't know if word. it's the right word, but. I believe the bird is the word. <laughs> Sorry, God. And we'd throw that in there, but, you know, copyright. So. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, you know, other occasions just kind of more relate to extremely excruciating experiences in theater. Yeah. There's there's physical horror and there's mental horror. Psychological horror, I guess, is yes. a good way to put it. 
Yes. I mean, my my big one right at the top are just all of my countless injuries during set constructions. I, if it's not a it's not a real set construction unless I bleed on the set at some point. <laughs> you gotta put your personal imprint and DNA on your set. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Usually, what happens is I'm like pushing in with the drill driver like just a little bit too hard, and it slips off the screw and into my thumb. That's happened several times. I've probably done stuff like that, but honestly, I can't remember it. Maybe it was from all the times I got hit in the heads with two by fours. There you go. <laughs> okay, prurient was completely the wrong word. <laughs> it didn't seem right to me, but I wasn't going to call you out on it. So shall we define prurient for our listeners? Having or encouraging an excessive interest in sexual matters. <laughs> that was completely oh, yeah. not what I meant. Hopefully that wouldn't be a horror story. Uh, well, there are, are some slasher films where that's kind of a major element, I suppose. I suppose so, yeah, <laughs> but but not your personal slasher films. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Actually, I was just thinking with the whole set construction thing reminded me of a rather major injury that I had, which was, uh, you know, the, the, the chairs at Forge, they've probably replaced them by now, but they used to be these chairs that would link together and they'd all get stacked between shows. And then then sometimes if the stack was really tall, they would get really stuck together. Yeah. And I just remember trying to lift one of the chairs out and I'm like, you know, my, my hands are gripping the arms and I'm pulling with all my might. It's not coming unstuck. And then suddenly it comes unstuck. How did this even work? I, all I know is my finger got caught between two of the chair arms at just as they were coming out apart Ouch. in full pressure. And yeah, that's one of those deals where like my nail turned black and fell off. Awesome. Yeah. I, not immediately. Cause that would be weird, but <laughs> over time, <laughs> yeah, that really, really hurt. Nail said, screw this. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> well, that wasn't on your list. Was it? Or that was not on my list. Okay. No. You just thought of that. That's cool. Yeah. I, I'm kind of counting that as a set construction injury. So okay. <laughs> call that from my from my list. I'm sure I've had them too. I just can't remember any specific ones. Yeah, that, that was the only specific thing that came to mind. <laughs> so uh, if, I'm, if I can go through my stuff, like um, I, I have several we, acting ones. We kind of categorize them based on what our primary role was in the production. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, when I was in Twelfth uh, Night at Forge, and this is this is interesting. So at one point, somebody mentioned Macbeth. And I don't know if I've I, I may have talked about this in a prior episode, but probably the like, oh, whatever. You know, it's not a big deal. Like he was not superstitious at all. I kind of am. I, I don't like people saying Macbeth in the theater. I can say it all I want on the podcast. Of course, Macbeth, Macbeth. No, <laughs> you can't. can't you can't it. say it at all. Oh, no. The curse <laughs> is on. Um, but anyway, somebody said this and, you know, the, the director was like, yeah, whatever. And then the following week one of our actors, one of the main actors ended up with, I believe the flu and had to miss a weekend of performances. So within a week, the director memorized the entire script and wow. was, a, was a bit nervous, but did a great job. I mean, he successfully memorized the entire script in a week and this was a major role, but there's this one scene where I guess I'm holding a hat or something. And the, the stage direction is to snatch the hat out of my hand mm -hmm. And he grabs the hat, and I guess his nails were a little bit long, and he just, like, scrapes along the back of my hand, and yeah, it draws a little bit of blood. Ooh. Yeah. So. Your own personal slasher movie in a play. Yeah. Nice. 
And then there was uh, when I did musical comedy murders of 1940. Yeah, I, I think I did talk about this in the podcast before. There was this uh, sliding bookcase. Yeah. And the way they created the sliding bookcase was just to basically put a bookcase on casters and kind of have a sort of track on the on the bottom part of it. I think it was just a two by four holding it. But I went out and I guess I just forgot to let go of the handle. So the entire bookcase uh, started falling over and nearly crushed me on the set. <laughs> but thankfully I did notice it and turned around and caught it and pushed it back up. So He man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you wanna do a couple of your acting ones? Okay. Got back uh, to sure. Mine? This is more of a I don't know, existential horror going through a production. So when I I think I mentioned mm-hmm. this before, when I did Agatha Christie made me do it. Our director was not particularly helpful throughout the process and kind of suddenly decided to quit like right at the beginning of Tech Week. Oh, nice. Uh, I think it had to, mostly to do with disagreements with the producer who was at that point his ex-fiance. Yeah, I think you have talked. You've have at talk, least talked yeah. to me about it. I don't know if you've mentioned it on the podcast. I don't remember if I mentioned it in the podcast. I probably have, so I apologize for repeating myself, but oh well. Yeah, we do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what happens with age and senility. Um, and the fact that we've already covered everything. Yeah. Hey, that's maybe why we're ending this, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, so that was just kind of horrendous, the position we were in at that point. At least, fortunately, we had somebody step in as director who was able to help us accomplish a lot in the tech week hmm. uh, leading up to the opening night. And it turned out fine, ultimately. But yeah, it I was... actually, I remember going to see that show, and it, it certainly didn't seem to be missing direction. No, it it, it came together, I think, with the producer and the other directors stepping in who were certainly experienced. And we kind of had a sense of what we were trying to accomplish mm-hmm. to whatever point we felt like we were directing ourselves up until then. But yeah, it, yeah, it turned out fine, but it was kind of really frustrating for that. I can imagine that sounds horrible. <laughs> Another occasion when I was acting was when I was in postmortem and I was supposed to sneak up. I was in a doorway. I was supposed to sneak up behind the lead actor who was playing the character William Gillette and hit him on the head and knock him out. And then he was supposed to collapse into my arms and I drag him off stage. Well, mm-hmm. I had this, it was some sort of a cane, sort of a prop and it was wooden. It really was. So <laughs> it was a matter of, it may have been padded, I think on part of it, but it was still kind of a question of the skill of trying to avoid hitting him that hard but making it look like, you know, fairly realistic. Well, one night I just remember just overdoing it and I really hit him in the head. But did you actually knock him out? I did not knock him out cold. (laughs) He was fine (laughs) for the rest of the performance. However, (laughs) we became a little bit worried because I don't remember if it was that same performance later in that same performance or later in the run, but it might've been that same performance. He came out uh, in the second act or in a scene in the second act and he was still wearing his non-character glasses whoops non-period his regular glasses and Mm. then then i think he did it again the next night the same scene (laughs) but i remember his wife he's no longer with us unfortunately may he rest in peace but i remember his wife saying to me please don't knock my husband too far in the head and make him a blithering idiot (laughs) (laughs) i mean she did it you know and all kind of realizing that it wasn't on purpose or anything like that but it was sure it was still amusing (laughs) Well, it's not like I was his understudy or anything, <laughs> but yeah, I felt just, really bad about it. rumors get started. I felt really bad yeah. about it. It was not any means intentional, and 
I don't mm-hmm. know if it made the performance suffer a little bit because I was just really concentrating on not hitting them at all, that it probably didn't look right anymore. But I figured I'd err on the side of caution going forward. Well, mistakes do happen, uh, which kind of leads me to my my next uh, horror story, which I'm pretty sure I've covered on here before. And that was when my character was in a wheelchair and I <laughs> yes. accidentally... Yeah, I found myself on the wrong side of an open doorway when I had to <laughs> enter the stage, so had no choice but to just walk right in front of the doorway. It's a miracle. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess so much stuff ran through my head, as I'm sure I've covered before. Like, can I get over the door somehow? Should I drag myself across the floor? <laughs> what, what am I going to... Yeah, that 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 also won uh, Barley Sheaf's coveted weenie award. Did you think of just covering year. your face and walking by? <laughs> I, I, pre- I turned my back. <laughs> I turned my back and walked quickly, but I mean, it was obvious it was me. You could have had the stage manager carry you or something. <laughs> By the time like I realized that I it was time to get on stage, there was no way that I was going to cover anything. It I, was just, I, I was screwed. I just thought of that because we've probably talked about instances where if somebody dies on stage, they have stage hands carry them off. Mm-hmm. So it was the only reason yeah. it made me think of it. Hey, I mean, even that would have been super obvious. So Yeah. <laughs> There's just there was that no person? escaping that. Once I was on the wrong side of the door, it was like, I'm screwed. That actually, oh my God, there's another story that I'm sure I've mentioned before that I was just reminded of that was an absolute horror, which is when I did uh, Dial M for Murder. And I was on I stage with one, one other actor, and there's this briefcase on a chair that he doesn't want me to see. So he's got this line that says, let me just find some place for you to sit. Yes, And he's supposed to take the briefcase and carry it off stage. And I'm out there for a minute while he goes and hides the briefcase or whatever. And there was one night, uh, and and get your bleeper ready. Oh, man. (laughs) You've already told this story. I know I have. But there was one night in the middle of a performance where instead of saying, let me find someplace for you to sit, he goes, let me find someplace for you to shit. (laughs) Picks up the briefcase, carries it off, and I'm stuck out there. But yeah. Anyway, back to Barley Sheaf. For those who are not familiar with the uh, makeup of this place, it used to be there's just like one main floor and you you walk in, there's like a really tiny lobby and a little bathroom, and then you walk into the seating area and then the stage is at the back of the building. Now, it used to be when the place was first made that there's a fire escape, there's a door and a fire escape in the back of the stage and people would make their entrances and exits from there, from outside. Mm -hmm. Of course, they wanted an alternative for this, but... They didn't want to lose a lot of space. So they cut a couple of reasonably small holes toward the back corners of the stage and put in ladders. Oh, I forgot there are more than one of them. I thought there was just the yeah. one. No, there's one on either side of the stage. They're, I, I mean, I wouldn't, they're not quite ladders. They're not quite stairs. Yeah, they're kind of steep. Yeah, it's like steep two by four ladders, which is almost stairs. And now, when I'm doing shows, I generally treat them like stairs. It's most not most too people much turn around. Step ladder, I guess. Right. Most people. Well, most people will turn around, and they'll back down when they go down. I face forward and walk down them like stairs. I don't remember what I did when I used them. Yeah. But I walk down kind of quickly, and there have been, admittedly, a few times where I will slip on one of the stairs. I can just specifically remember one time where I, like, it was probably three stairs from the bottom, and I slipped and just kind of, like, to the bottom, perfectly standing up. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And just moved along. But, yeah, there have been people that I'm pretty sure have fallen down those, those ladders. Especially, presumably, in some dim lighting situations. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, the dim lighting and big costumes are, that's just a bad combination. <laughs> yep. Uh, I have a few that fall into the sound design camp, sound operation camp, I guess, mm -hmm. which can really be a horror, especially if things are out of your control technically and you have no easy means to correct them on the fly. So this isn't just when I'm designing the sound? Correct. <laughs> and give you yeah. like tons and tons of cues? Well, I, I definitely learned the golden rule of don't use an iPod to run sounds in live theater, but... Yes. Like in Dracula with the interrupted wolf howls. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. These are a little bit more egregious than that. One example was when I was doing sound for Midsummer Night's Dream, and I think it was opening night. And this is in a high school. So mm -hmm. we were using the high school sound system, sound rig. One of the nights we could not get the, the house speakers to operate. We couldn't figure out what was going on. And it's about 10 or 15 minutes before the show is supposed to open. We don't know what we're going to yeah. do because I can't play anything can't run any sound effects or music or anything. So mm -hmm. we were in a last ditch effort figuring out, well, we're going to have to use a boom box to operate these sound effects. And boy, how crappy <laughs> that's going to be. Seriously. As it turns, as it turns out, the sound system was wired. It had sort of uh, dual sets of controls, I guess. One set was backstage, which could be used by say band directors for school band practices that are taking place down say in front of the stage in the pit area. And I guess they had a, a switchover mechanism to change over the speaker system to be controlled a different way. Well, apparently, the system was set up the alternate way, and we had to find the switch backstage to get it to be able to use the normal house sound. Thankfully, we did that with maybe five minutes to spare, so at least the show itself could run normally, but... Yeah, that sounds like nearly a horror story. <laughs> just yeah, a lot of yeah. tension leading up to it. Well, I feel like the real horror would have been if you couldn't figure it out until after the show started. Well, my other incident that I wanted to mention was more the latter, which was way more horrendous. When I was running sound, it was the closing night of Catch Me If You Can. There were, I think, 15 wireless mics in that show. Mm -hmm. And everything went pretty well in the first act. Then all of a sudden, the second act, it was a case of one mic, then another, then another, just started crapping out. The, Those wireless mics, that, that doesn't seem to be like a rare thing for them to just die randomly. No, first it was one, then we're like, okay, we're, it was a major character, I think, so we're trying to work out, you know, we're on headset trying to communicate with the stage manager to say, okay, switch, switch body mics with this person, they don't need theirs that much or don't have that many scenes to give it to the, the lead role. And... Mm. You know, maybe a couple times we were able to get away with that or tried that, and then all of a sudden, just like one after the other, all these mics just kept dropping, Ugh. and we had no clue what was going on. I still to this day don't exactly know what happened unless it was, you know, somebody, if somebody, say, moved during intermission and their cell phone was interfering with the receivers, I don't know. <laughs> Couldn't really tell yeah. you, but we had next to nothing left by the end of the show as far as mics go, and it was, for me, it was embarrassing. That actually kind of reminds me there was a performance at Barley Sheaf, I believe, Trailer Park the Musical, where they actually lost power in the middle of a performance. Ugh. It's either the middle or, or partway through. They actually ended up like handing out flashlights to the audience, and they <laughs> yeah. did the rest of the show by flashlight. I've had that happen a few times in rehearsals and such, but that's never happened for me in a show. No, I can't remember that happening in a show, but mm. I had some other we'll call it facilities mishaps on shows that I had directed. Mm -hmm. One in particular was when we did Red Herring, the, 
I guess it was the second to last performance. It was July, and it was a ridiculously hot day. It was, I think it was still 85 or 90 degrees by 10 o'clock at night. It was yeah, really hot. And the condenser and the, the, the air conditioner is located above the backstage wing area, and okay. the condenser is completely froze. Ugh. So we had pretty much no air conditioning in the entire theater. I'm pretty sure a good number of people left at intermission because they just couldn't bear it anymore. That's pretty brutal. What so else I you had, got? What else I got? I've got, I mean, the big one, which is probably, again, something that's probably been discussed on this podcast before, but the first show that I ever directed, Getting Away With Murder, the, the weekend of the first set construction, I had gone up to visit my parents in New Jersey and was driving back on the Pennsylvania Turnpike uh, with a, you know, light rain just started and I went to switch lanes and the car kept going and hit the median and flipped over and I ended up uh, in an ambulance and in the emergency room with a, uh, a nightstick injury to my left forearm and a broken arm. <laughs> yeah. You just yeah. lost traction on the road? Yeah, the car just hydroplaned. Um, I I was, you know, a lot of people don't remember accidents. I remember every bit of that, including going upside down at 50 miles an hour on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Oh, God. Which was not pleasant. The only thing I don't actually remember is is specifically how the injury occurred. It's called a nightstick injury, which means something hit my arm. My best guess is the side view mirror broke the window and hit my arm. It's my best guess. Well, be on that side, wouldn't it? Yep. So that was a fractured ulna, um, which they had to put a metal plate on, uh, six screws. I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't recall. This was quite a while ago at this point. I don't remember if I called them or they ended up calling me or w- what happened with that. But they, they thought it was some sort of test or something for me to miss that first set construction. <laughs> uh, not a test. <laughs> Yeah, that actually haunted me. Well, I mean, it did, in some ways it still haunts me to this day because there's a big old scar on my arm. I actually had the plate removed about three years ago, I think. Three or four years ago. I finally had the plate removed, which it had been in there a very long time. They had to like kind of dig it out from the bone. <laughs> Won't get too specific, although this is horror stories. And they also Ooh. relocated the nerve. So I've got all sorts of scars on my left arm left over from that. Yeah, he's got a... It's got a gnarly mangled hook. Yes. <laughs> <Arr>. uh, <laughs> and as and, and then to add insult to injury, the following week, I'm showing up for the set construction. Obviously, I can't construct because my arm is in a sling. And I look, and the first thing I notice when I walk in is that they built the set wrong. <laughs> so all of the work that they did that first weekend had to be undone and redone. And, of course, being the a-hole that I am, that's like the first words out of my mouth are, this is wrong. <laughs> Not, hey, thanks for covering for me. Or, yeah, I'm like, sorry about that, folks. <laughs> um, he then proceeded hopefully. to point out all the details with his mangled, gnarled hand. <laughs> with, my, with my hook. <laughs> um, sadly, not the only time I've drawn blood related to a show. There was oh. the one time, well, there was the, the uh, Dracula cast party. Yeah, one of them. You, you've got to draw blood for that. So this was the one at my house, and I rushed back. I was trying to get stuff ready, and I'm slicing limes for the party and inadvertently sliced into my left index finger. And I, I mean, 
wouldn't say like I sliced off a. You did not. I sliced off enough of a chunk that there's still a scar there. Oh come on. No, I, there is. There's, I, there's I, a scar. I've done worse to my thumb or finger. Sorry, I've done worse to my finger. Yeah, I mean, I have probably as well. But it wouldn't. The, the issue is it wouldn't stop bleeding. It just like it bled and bled and bled, and it was like an hour or two hour or whatever into the party where I'm finally like, I gotta get somebody to look at this because I can't get it to stop bleeding, and I don't know what's going on. Well, as it, as it turned out, what was going on was that I had it wrapped in paper towel, which is not a good way to stop bleeding. Uh, Probably you need some not. gauze. <laughs> yeah. So Jim, in fact, drove me to the ER. That's right. Uh, we both where, end up missing most of the party. Yes, at my house. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, they, they, they gave me a Band-Aid. <laughs> so maybe not much of a horror story. There was a lot of blood. It was all the blood. Well, Blue. So some of my other directing incidents kind of related to just the more the horror of... It's not really horror, but just it was... <laughs> the horror psychological, psychological, whatever you want to call it. The horror. Distress. <laughs> the horror. I'm thinking of the one occasion where I had to replace a lead actor with a month to go before we opened up True West, which I... Oh, you had a whole I, month? Actually, not quite a month, I think. <laughs> maybe about 28 or 27 days. Well, that's that's goes right along with uh, when I directed Treasure Island and we had to replace an actor a week before we opened. However, yours was a lead actor. Yes, one, definitely one not of lead. two leads who are on stage almost the entire time. Yeah, this was a relatively, actually, I think it was two small roles that they covered. So, yeah, not as big a deal for sure. <laughs> yeah, we were really unsure what we were going to do about this. And Kevin, mm. if you're out there listening again, thank you so much. <laughs> now, how did you lose this actor? Did he did he leave? Did you have to get him to leave? <laughs> I'm sure I went into do we the want to get into story that? <laughs> before. It was complicated the the original hmm. actor had some personal issues and was quickly becoming extremely unreliable ah. and yeah was really not in any condition to continue to be part of the production fair enough my uh my actor's dog died well yeah yeah that's that's, that's why they dropped out of the show they dropped out of the show yes because their dog died oh okay which, you know, that's, you know, horrible. I mean, I'm very sorry that their dog died, but anyway. Well, we're, we're not going to make judgments, I think, right now. No, no we're, we're not making any judgments. So, we're just sharing the horror. Yes. And, and on a couple other occasions, as a director, I had to kind of have a one-on-one -on -one sort of what the hell is going on kind of a speech with a couple of my actors. Mm -hmm. I feel were, like that almost just comes with directing. I don't even know if that's a horror story. Who, well, if it doesn't happen in your production and you get used to it, I guess it's a good thing. But yeah, if if you just get to the point where, especially if you don't have a lot of time left and the idea of replacing them will become extremely problematic, then mm -hmm. it can be kind of a horror story because you're thinking to yourself, how am I going to make this work with this person? And yeah, how much more I mean, time that, that am I is. willing to give the person before... You know, I have to cut ties and come up with a backup plan. And you and know. that's such a hard thing to do in community theater because you've got people that are just volunteering their time and you don't want to, like, fire somebody. Yeah, I was, I, and I wasn't the only, you know, I was talking about this with, at least in the one case, had talked about this with the assistant director thinking, what are we going to do with this? What's going on here? This is, mm -hmm. 
you know, and we're coming contingently playing. What should I play the character? <laughs> or, or start studying his lines? Or been there? Yeah. So, Boy, have I been there. So that again comes back to psychological horror. <laughs> yes. Well, should we get some actual, some more actual horror in there? Yeah. Go ahead. So when I was directing True West, I didn't lose any of my actors. All of that went really well. I had a couple of fantastic people in the leads. Actually, I did lose the uh, the, the actress playing mom dropped out, but she dropped out really early and that's... I replaced her with a fantastic actress. And that's that was not an issue at all. No, that worked However, out pretty well. I, had to, during... I did have to be Saul one night. I think I probably mentioned that before. But yes, yeah. I at least had three weeks notice and enough time to learn the scenes. Right. There were only a couple of them. But uh, so, yeah, when I was directing, I, I want to say this may have even been tech week. I don't know if it was tech week or just some random rehearsal. My stage manager during the day had been taking down, uh, helping friends taking down drywall and had inhaled some of the dust. Mm-hmm. So he was having issues with that. Went to I don't know if he just went to a doctor, or went to the ER, whatever he did. They they prescribed him uh, an Advair inhaler which, you know, he normally hadn't taken, but he, he used the inhaler. And then there's this whole thing in True West with uh, coffee. And coffee gets brewed on the set during the show. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes there'd be coffee left at the end of the show. So my stage manager, who is not normally a coffee drinker, decided he was going to have a cup of coffee. He was kind of feeling tired after the rehearsal, you know, was still planning to stay up for whatever reason. Anyway, apparently... What we didn't learn until later is Advair and caffeine can have a reaction. Oh. And he couldn't breathe. Now, this is a horror story. Yeah, this really was a horror story. And we're trying to, like, you know, calm him down because he's kind of quasi panicking. And this is not a guy who normally panics and was, I mean, it's, it's an exaggeration to say he couldn't breathe because that would be an extreme emergency and an immediate emergency. It was like, he was having a whole lot of trouble breathing. He couldn't get a deep breath in. It was, you know, and of course all I can think is COVID, but we won't go yeah. there. I was this, thinking this it was too. a reaction. This was well before yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Well before that, this was a reaction between the Advair and the caffeine. And eventually we had to call an ambulance for him. And like, I think it was me, the uh, consulting director. I can't remember who else was left. I don't think it was just the three of us. But anyway, we all like followed the ambulance to the ER and were like waiting for him there. I was there till, I don't know, I want to say it may have been like three in the morning that I was there until. I don't know if they kept him overnight or not. He was fine in the end. But man, that was like, that was just crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. I just thought of one that turned out to really not be that scary, but it was at least very startling, especially not realizing what was happening at first. We were rehearsing, I think it was for Fox on the Fairway, and it's summer, and we had the doors open in the house. And in the middle of rehearsal, all of a sudden, we hear a bunch of loud bangs going off from the direction of the parking lot. What Mm. is that? You know, some sort of small explosions probably unlikely to be firearms i thought probably at the time but didn't know what it was wasn't expecting it didn't mm-hmm. know what to make of it it was some punk kids who had left a you know canister of pyrotechnic powders and whatnot in it that they lit off next out you know outside in the parking lot pyrotechnics that reminds me of another one okay getting away with murder again 
So the end of that show, the building that they're in explodes. So basically what we did for that is we had like, I think three flash pots set up, which are basically little incendiary devices that send up mostly a puff of smoke and a little bit of flame. And I think we had like debris that dropped down as well. So that was my, she, she wasn't, was she producer? No, she didn't produce. She was my assistant director. Yeah, of course. She was my assistant director. That was Renee, who has been mm-hmm. on this podcast. Yes, a couple times. Who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll see if we can get the uh, the, the Schultzes again before we uh, wrap this whole thing up. <laughs> uh, anyway, it, it was her job to set off those pyrotechnics. And at one point, sh- something went wrong and it went off when it wasn't supposed to go off and her hand was there. Oh. So she got a little bit burned with that. Ouch. Yeah. There are a lot of horror stories we haven't... Uh, remembered we haven't covered i'm sure we could probably come up with more if we uh if we do one of these again next year if we're still around which we won't be because we're planning to end but if you have horror stories of your own or other comments or questions or any ideas to fill our last few episodes of course you can contact us by visiting our website backstage.link and clicking on contact the show that's right we also have our hotline where you can leave us a voicemail or text message at 267-225-8869 again hotline. that's yeah, hotline <laughs> again that's 267-225-8869 <laughs> thank you for that hotline chuckle uh, if you've enjoyed the show let us know i don't care if you subscribe i don't care if you leave a review i don't care if you tell a friend tell us just we want to know if you've enjoyed just don't leave death threats that's scary too no, but uh, you, you can send us an email, you know, of course, going through the website or directly at podcast at backstage.link. Uh, next week, we'll be getting back into part two of our discussion on what theaters are having to do to cope with the current situation. It's another short one next week to make up for this, which is probably, I don't know, maybe it's not a little long. I'm looking at the time we've been talking and we're a little over half an hour, but. Uh, but we've enjoyed every minute of it. We have enjoyed every minute with, of it, and we hope you have too. And uh, until next week, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. So until next time, thank you for joining us yet again backstage. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hi, 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 hi. Hello, hello, hello. Check, 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 check. Check, 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 check. Can I see what my... Pretty when you are. I was just checking... Oh, I'm talking to the wrong... What? (laughs) Can you hear me? Yeah, I mean, you're a little low, but I can hear you. Yeah, well, it hasn't... It's worked up to this point, right? All right. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, hold on. Let me. <laughs> I'm just realizing I don't have the actual episode thing opened. Yeah, I just uh, printed that out that myself. Dopey dopey do. Oh no, we're running into microphone troubles again. Uh oh. <laughs> All right, now I'm ready. Are you sure? All right. Ready. Ready enough. Okay. <laughs>
Is that good? Do you want to do another take of it, or? Hey, we're fine. Happy with that? All right. No, he's listening to it anyway. Exactly. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want to do your, uh, the, the, the this week? All right. This week. The... Sorry. Go ahead. What were you saying? <laughs> I was saying, do you want to do the this week? Yes. <laughs> But this one's going perfectly smoothly now. Sure. <laughs> so the following this is why, week... This is why you don't see us when we do our yeah. podcast. <laughs> yes. It, I don't want to show off me hook. <laughs> um, Sorry, I hear a siren outside. <laughs> Uh-oh, more horror. <laughs> <laughs> so next week on the Backstage Show will be part two of the... Uh, what, what the hell did we cover? <laughs> <laughs> we talked about... Why don't you introduce next week? <laughs> <laughs> and of course I clipped on that one. Do it again. Okay, stop. Uh, Done. I'm probably going to ask you not to put this in the episode, but I will tell you the one story that I did... One of the stories well, I purposely left out. Yeah, I think I left something out that I had written, but it didn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, uh, you might have. <laughs> <laughs>